Welcome to the Brighter Side of Ed podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lisa Richardson-Hassler, here to enlighten and brighten the classrooms in America through focused conversation on important topics in education. In each episode, I discuss problems we as teachers and parents are facing and what people are doing in their communities to fix it. What are the variables, and how can we duplicate it to maximize student outcomes? In this episode, I focus on the student as a variable. What happens when a child struggles in reading, writing, and math, and how can we as teachers and parents meet their needs? With one out of five people estimated to have dyslexia, it's surprising that there is not more action in education to address this large area of concern. Dr. Livia Paler-Duller is on today's show to discuss this important topic of dyslexia and dyscalculia and how her organization is helping children and families across the world. She is the director of the American Dyslexia Association, ADA, and the co-author of Dyslexia Dyscalculia. Published in 2010, this book is described as a necessity of intervention at the educational didactic level which is of preeminent importance for success in the training of people who have problems with reading, writing, or calculating. Welcome to the show, Livia. Thank you so much for having me. Before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. Um, so my name is Dr. Livia Paler-Duller, and I've been working in the field of dyslexia for almost 20 years now, and I'm very happy to be doing so and helping children and helping families and helping educators um, to let them know more about the topic of dyslexia and how to help. So for our listeners, can you explain what is dyslexia and dyscalculia? Mm -hmm. So dyslexia is a multisensory deficit um, that um, affects the reading and spelling capabilities, and dyscalculia is basically the same thing, but it affects numbers. And um, so both dyslexia and dyscalculia are genetic dispositions. So you get it from your parents or maybe your grandparents. It likes to skip um, a generation sometimes. And what that means is that your sensory perceptions are a little different than those of people that don't have dyslexia or dyscalculia. And what those sensory perceptions do is when you're in contact with letters and numbers, um, those might get scrambled and do other funny things. And this is how the errors, the mistakes are made while reading, spelling, and um, doing arithmetic, math. And... So what you basically have to do is um, fix those sensory perceptions, and then um, the task of reading, spelling, and arithmetic will be easier. But um, because it's a genetic disposition, you will always have different sensory perceptions, and that's actually a very, very great thing because um, most dyslexics, they're very talented in certain areas like art or sciences or sports, um, just not the reading and spelling. So we got to help them with that. How did you become interested in dyslexia and dyscalculia? Mm -hmm. So my mother used to be an educator in the school system. Later, she had a private um, tutoring school, and she always encountered students that were obviously very bright, but no matter how much they um, practice reading and spelling, the next day they spell the, wrong, the words wrong again. And so she investigated and she found that dyslexia could be the issue. 
and um, it just snowballed from there. She she got herself educated on the specific topic, and then she created her own program on how to help the dyslexic children, the AFS method. And she found that just practicing, increased practicing of reading and spelling does not um, bring the desired results, the improvements. Um, because like I mentioned earlier, the dyslexic students' issue really are the, dif the different sensory perceptions. And that means that they um, hear and see and experience the world a little differently than the non-dyslexic people do. And, but that has nothing to do with their actual hearing or their vision. It's just that the information processing in the brain is different. And um, so there's a multisensory deficit here. And what's then needed is certain exercises to um, bring those sensory perceptions up to speed. And then also what happens to the dyslexic children is now when they're supposed to read and write, they can't do that well, so they don't want to do that. So their attention span diminishes, and that's when you get a, a child in the classroom who's like fidgeting, looking out the window, not doing what he's supposed to be doing. And um, what's often happening is that they're saying, oh, this kid is ADHD. And which is not necessarily the case because this inattention is just a symptom of dyslexia. It's not the cause of the reading and spelling problems like it would be if there's an actual ADHD present. So um, this, this child just needs to have their sensory perceptions fixed, essentially. So then... Um, he can learn how to read and write properly, and then there won't be any inattention because he's able to do these tasks. Yeah, I like that um, in part of your um, book, you have many tips and suggestions, and one of them is to catch it early enough so that there are none of those psychosomatic side effects that can occur, and then you don't have a lot of those um, problems. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. So um, the children are born with a different sensory perceptions. And if in the preschool and in the kindergarten age, if they are exposed to enough um, sensory perception training, and with that, I just mean games that use the senses. Like the game Simon, for example, where you have different colors that light up and different sounds, and you just have to... Um, repeat the sequence. This is an auditory sequencing exercise. And the children are essentially playing and they don't even realize that they're training their sensory perceptions that they will need later on when they're learning their letters and to read and to write. So um, just a little backstory on me. I have a child who was diagnosed with dyslexia. And I know that from a, a parent standpoint, I really didn't know what to do. There was no one that was even able to really diagnose it the way you're talking about it. They did it through some different testing. And then I was just kind of left to my own devices with, well, he has it and, and there's no cure. There's no, um, there's no one that can help you. There was nothing really that I can do as a parent. And I felt quite helpless knowing that he was going to struggle. Um, and they just said that, you know, the advice was basically help him as much as you can. And maybe in high school, some things would start to click a little bit better. And then he would start to be able to manage his own dyslexia. And I felt, I felt very, um, hopeless to help my own child. And then even as a teacher in my classroom, 
um, I would have children that were diagnosed with dyslexia and um, once again, no resources for it. And so your ability to be able to help train teachers and to really explicitly diagnose without the intelligence test is new hope to parents and to teachers. So you, can you tell us a little bit about how do you diagnose dyslexia and dyscalculia? And then what kind of suggestions would you have um, for parents and for teachers? What kind of support can they give? Mm -hmm. So what you have described right now is what often happens. So um, there, there is a child who's struggling in reading and writing, and then they might get sent um, to a psychologist. The psychologist does intelligence testing and achievement testing, and the problem with that is that those test instruments weren't designed to diagnose a dyslexia. Um, the intelligence test, um, like the name already says, it's um, supposed to... Their intelligence, right? It has yes, to do yes, with yes. Their their IQ, right? Um, and that's that's an important point to make. That dyslexia does not have anything to do with intelligence. Um, it's just your de genetic disposition. But unfortunately, um, most intelligence tests and the WISC, the Wexler Intelligence Scale, is the one that is most often used. Actually, measures the intelligence by sensory perceptions. So um, all those little subtests on the Wechsler scale are actually sensory perceptions. So the question then becomes, it's like you have to imagine a blind person and you give them some cards to put into the correct order. Well, the blind person can't see the cards. So does that make him dumb or less intelligent? No, he can't see the cards. So he can't solve the problem you put in front of him. And um, with dyslexics, it's basically the same. Their physical vision is not impaired, but um, their information processing is different. So they, they can solve the problems on the test. So what happens often is if a dyslexic um, child is given the Wexler test, um, he performs um, very, very low. So then they say, oh, this child is cognitively impaired because the IQ is so low. And well, what happens then if there is a cognitive impairment? There is basically nothing you can do about it right. because essentially the child is dumb. Right. They're so saying, they're performing at the highest, their highest ability level. And there's um, this is the most that we can expect out of them. Exactly. Exactly. And this is just not the case because the test instrument is wrong. Right. Um, so but unfortunately, it still happens that um, parents get sent to the psychologist for not because there's just no other um, no other specialists often available, so the psychologist is the, the nearest one. And then the intelligence test is um, done. Then also an achievement test might be done. And with dyslexic children, um, their performance varies day by day. So one day they might do really well on an achievement test, and then the psychologist is like, well, what's wrong with this child? He just performed, like, excellent on this achievement test, but then give the same test to the child the next day, and he might perform horribly. So this is, this is just not uh, a test instrument that works for dyslexics. And it also does not take into account um, the multisensory deficit. So what really needs to be tested is the sensory perceptions to find out 
if those are different than this child, if they're not on par, if they need improvement. And that's, that's really how you um, diagnose a dyslexia. So not just the symptoms, not just the Arrhenius, um reading and spelling, but we also need to look at the sensory perceptions if those are different. And then we also need to look at the attention span. Can they hold their attention span or not? And this all together um, is basically the standardized AFS test. So this is what um, I am suggesting to use, recommending to use, um, because it takes into account all the three areas, the attentions, the functions, which are the sensory perceptions, and the symptoms of the dyslexic child. And it looks into all three categories. And this is, this is how you arrive at a definitive diagnosis. And not just that, um, we're not done diagnosing with, with the di just a diagnosis. We're not done by just diagnosing dyslexia. We really want to help this child. So we need to come up with a plan on how to do that. And the sensory perception makeup of the dyslexic children, each dyslexic child is different. So you need individualized training to fix the certain sensory perceptions that might be different. So each training program for each dyslexic child will be different. and. So you really need to come up with an individualized plan. And this is what you, you said. You went in for diagnosis to say, oh, your child is dyslexic, but what to do about it? Nobody had a clue. Mm -hmm. And so this is really what it should be about. It's rendering the individualized assistance and not sending parents home with, oh, you got a dyslexic child. Yeah. And then it's like, have fun with that. Good luck in yes. your life. There's nothing that can <laughs> yeah. be done. Um, so you talked about the AFS testing and, um, and about then help with support for parents and where can, so where can parents go to get this AFS testing? Mm -hmm. Um, I would recommend to, um, seek out a dyslexia specialist somebody that's really specialized in dyslexia. They might use a different testing program, but, um, really do stay away from, um, intelligence testing and achievement testing. So it needs to be something specific. And uh, also what I want to mention that Congress changed the federal statutes in 2004 with the Individuals with Disabilities Improvement Act. And what that says is that intelligence testing should not be used anymore to establish a dyslexia. And um, this is a very, very important piece of information um, because other federal regulations in the United States um, allow for an IEP, an Individualized Educational Plan at schools. So um, first testing needs to happen. But most of the time, um, the schools require a full um, psychoeducational evaluation, and that's just hours and hours of testing and hundreds and hundreds of dollars for the families. And also what is included is, of course, intelligence testing, which is, um, like I said, counterproductive and does not help to actually come up with the individualized educational plan on how to help the child. Um, but this is, this is just um, how things are, and you just have to find a workaround. So seek out a dyslexia specialist. Um, if you can find a certified dyslexia trainer in your area, that's the best, um, because those are actually um, using the AFS testing, the standardized testing. 
Okay, that's that's fantastic to know. And then your um, your association, the America Dyslexia Association, would that be a good place for parents to be able to go to try to maybe find a dyslexic uh, dyslexia specialist in their area? Yes, of course. Um, so if you go to our website, um, you can find um, free teaching aids. So once you have a training plan established, um, if you know which um, sensory perceptions are different, then we have training materials for free on our website that you can download and you can go through with your child. Um, and you can also find a certified dyslexia trainer. What is Learnity and um, how is that associated? Um, this, this is another um, training program um, we offer for free, again, for parents. And um, what that does, it's not um, just specific for dyslexic or dyscalculic children. It's really for any child um, that might need um, some additional help in the elementary years. So it's from K through fourth grade. And for English, so reading and spelling, and then also for math, for basic arithmetic. And there are the different grade levels, and online you go through um, a little quiz, and that pinpoints where exactly the child needs additional practice. And at the end of um, the quiz, it also gives you already the specific exercises you're supposed to be doing with your child. So you get a booklet, you print that out, and those exercises, um, there might just be a few, depending on how many um, questions the child got wrong on the quiz, or there might be a lot of pages, and you just go through all of them, and then once you're done with the booklet, you just retake the quiz and see where there is additional practice needed. And um, it's just a cycle like this, and it really... It's a very convenient way, way to bring the children on par, so where they're supposed to be on their grade level. So I like how you mentioned um, that it's in English, but your uh, association, your training with teachers and the, your resources, it's actually available global, isn't it? Um, yes, it is. So we also have... Um, offices in in Europe and we work together closely with them and the dyslexia train the certified dyslexia trainers are actually working in 65 countries worldwide and um, the AFS test a standardized test is available in six languages so of course in English and then there's German and French and Italian and and so on so um, Spanish Let's not forget Spanish. Very important. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so um, we are very, very fortunate that we are allowed to work with those um, exceptional children. And they really are exceptional. They, they have lots and lots of ta talents. Um, unfortunately, often they get beat down in school because they're st struggling with their reading and their writing. And um, well... We need to we need to help them help so them. they yeah. don't get frustrated so they don't get secondary issues that might be um, psychological in nature right. and so let's let's start on helping them while they're still young while they're in the elementary years um, so we can avoid other additional issues and so if those I additional issues happen this is when you need a psychologist. So this is then when you need um, the extra help. Um, but first of all, you need an educator. You need an educator for the dyslexic child that helps him to learn reading and spelling um, the way he needs to be taught.
So it's just, it's not like that the schools are doing it wrong necessarily. It's just that the dyslexic um, students need additional help. And that help needs to be individualized. And so what about um, the teacher training? You actually do train teachers in this AFS method. Where would someone that was interested in wanting to become certified uh, through your program um, and, and to help children? Mm-hmm. Um, so the program is available right now. Um, currently, it's an online program. Um, it started out differently. It started out as a um, seminar where you come in on the weekends for a whole year and um, you you learn in person and then it morphed into a correspondence course. So this is in the 90s now. And of course, these days, everything is online. So you can learn from wherever you are. And so it is a distance learning course and it takes it still takes about a year. So it's um, it's in depth. You will learn a lot of things um, but the the focus is definitely on what you can do with the child so how to render that individual assistance and you just um, go to our website to get additional information and what is that website and um, that would be um, american-dyslexia-association.com excellent all right well before we wrap up i have one last question what advice would you give to a parent or teacher of a child with dyslexia or dyscalculia? Mm-hmm. So, um, first of all, I would seek out um, a dyslexia specialist, ideally a certified dyslexia trainer, if one is available in your area, and um, just just go from there. An assessment will be done, testing will be done, and then you know more. And once you're at the point where there is a diagnosis for dyslexia, it's important that help is um, rendered. Not just like, oh, this child is dyslexic. Mm-hmm. And um, this is also what happens often. The The parents just say, oh, I have a dyslexic child. Now you, the classroom teacher, needs to fix it. And unfortunately, it doesn't work like that because there might be 20 children in the classroom. And these days, there are so many other issues that need to be addressed. And so the classroom teacher can't be expected um, to fix the dyslexia problem. So um, there other ways must be found. Um, the certified dyslexia trainer also renders weekly training um, in the afternoon. And, um, but the parents are also expected to do daily exercises with the children. And with daily exercises, I mean just a few minutes. Do like one worksheet or play a game sensory perception game and that's that's basically it so but you have to stick with it um, for months for years sometimes depending on how severe the dyslexia is and what is most important is that help is rendered not just oh we have a diagnosis and that's it and there are certain things the classroom teacher can do within the classroom Um, you know those sensory perception games or um, using visual and auditory um, instruments to to teach um, also benefits other children, not just the dyslexic children. Certain topics can be made fun, of course, in the classroom. And for the dyslexic children, maybe if it's possible to not mark all the mistakes wrong they do when they're writing. So for some dyslexic children, it helps them if you have a color overlay. Yeah. And um, then you can switch the page color to a light blue or a light pink or yellow. And that way, um, 
the the contrast is not as harsh. And um, Helen Erlen came up with this um, concept of um, using the colors to read, and it actually does improve their reading. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Those little things. And so, if you yes. haven't um, if you haven't read it yet, uh, check check my blog about this with give some tips and definitely um, pick up this book and read it. There's a lot of great information. And one of the things that I really loved about it was um, you show visualizations, like visual replications and models of what a child is can see and whether that would be um, blurred in, in your digital. Um, I can even see that you have um, scripts that move, that, that mm-hmm. turn. And so really was um, eye-opening for me to be able to experience what um, my child or a student that was sitting in my class was seeing. And that was powerful to me. So mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty amazing. Yeah. So, so definitely pick up the book. And I, I recommend the the digital only because I saw that those words move. And I just thought, wow, someone who didn't get the vis- uh, the digital wouldn't have seen that. And so right. that was pretty impactful. Well, if one out of uh, five students have dyslexia, then in the average classroom size of 20, that means teachers have about an average of four dyslexic students in every classroom. So here is the call to action. Teachers need to be trained and school districts need to be better equipped to handle dyslexic students. Parents need access to more information and better support. It's my hope to include dyslexia testing in the form of standardized AFS testing and didactic assistance by professionally trained educators as part of a solution to the current reading crisis gripping America. Thank you for taking the time to join me today to spread awareness to such an important topic. Thank you also for making a difference in so many lives. If you have a story about what's working in your schools that you'd like to share, you can email me at drlisarichardsonhassler at gmail.com or visit my website at www.drlisarhassler.com and send me a message. It is the mission of this podcast to shine light on the good in education so that it spreads, affecting positive change in schools. So let's keep working together to find solutions that focus on our children's success.